On Monday, July 27, 2020, I conducted a series of live streaming interviews to discuss voting rights, voter suppression, and the upcoming 2020 election. This was one of those interviews. Ashley Marie Preston is a trans rights advocate, cultural, creative, and founder of You Are Essential. Ashley is the first trans woman to become editor-in-chief of a national publication, Wear Your Voice magazine. She has just launched a voter mobilization initiative with human rights campaign president Alfonso David called My Vote is My Voice. Ashley Marie Preston right now. I'm very excited to see beautiful Ashley. I'm so happy to see you. How are you? Wow, and I am so sorry because I I was just running around doing my thing two hours of sleep today. Some kind of uh, allergy on the lips. Don't know what's happening. And then I still have my scarf on. So I was like, let me show up. First of all, you owe me no apologies. I just said to everyone how busy you are. And and I said that I'm so blessed to have you even for a few minutes because I definitely need to know about what you're working on because it's always wonderful. When I talk about activists and advocates who really make a difference and change, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about Shannon Watts. Talking about Rebecca Coakley, this is the top echelon of people that are making a difference in the world. And I want people to also know, Ashley can't do it all by herself. We have to help and support, okay? We can't just be like, oh, you're doing such a good job. Thanks. No, 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 no. Help these organizations. So please, first, I want people to know a little bit about you and what brought you into activism. Uh, Sure. Um, Well, uh, so my name is Ashley Marie Preston, and uh, I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky, moved out here to L.A. at 19 years old. Um, Didn't have language to describe trans identity, but I knew that it definitely was not a safe environment to explore expression or any of that. Um, And so came out here, got a job, got discriminated against on the job once I transitioned, and then quickly... I saw the ways in which structural and systemic transphobia and anti-Blackness conspired to destroy my life. And so I ended up losing that job. Um, I lost the apartment. I was on the streets. And most people would panic, but they would, in the back of their minds, know that I can just go to a shelter. And so, but unfortunately, my uh, definition of womanhood wasn't in alignment with theirs. And so I was Mm -hmm. denied services. And I was so desperate that I was willing to go to a men's shelter even, um, but they wouldn't even have me. And the two times they did, I was actually sexually assaulted both times. And so um, what I got out of all of that was even through the moments in which I had been stabbed and attacked and almost left for dead and robbed and all of these different things, I still came through it unscathed. I, I don't have a record. Um, I don't have a lot of the health disparities that many of my trans siblings do. Um, And so, and I have to give it credit to the fact that I'm also less visibly trans than some of my peers. So like I was able to kind of assimilate into cis heteronormative society 
um, right. without really mentioning that, right? And so right. understanding that those are still layers of privilege. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt that it was my social responsibility to look back and pull others up with me. So you are essential. Fast forward, I've done a lot of things and like um, I worked in nonprofit for years and I'm an entertainment media uh, producer, you name it. I'm a cultural polymath. I pretty much do it all. But um, amid the COVID-19 crisis, I got slowed down and put in my plate because I have asthma. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'm a full-figure beautiful woman, but that BMI, like, you know, COVID, <laughs> COVID yeah. loves a full-figure woman, too. And so, <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> so those were all things that I realized uh, put me at greater risk. And so I had to get really honest with myself. I had already been terrible about self-care as is, um, as mm. many of us typically are. Um, mm. and, um, and so I was like, but... I have to be able to contribute something like, yes, I can't be out there in the trenches on the front line at all the protests, um, especially with police brutality. We know that black right. folks, especially trans people, um, have it much harder if we get caught up in the throes of the prison industrial complex. And so, um, but then I remembered <laughs> I'm a girl from the boulevard. So, you know, you can take the girl off the boulevard, but you can't take the boulevard off the girl. So I was like, I may not hear you much, but I know how to get money. And so I started reaching out to a lot of my uh, celebrity friends and public figures who um, donated to this organization that I launched called You Are Essential. And so You Are Essential funds grassroots organizations um, that um, are serving vulnerable communities who are disproportionately impacted by the pandemic, but also acknowledging that these conditions existed pre-pandemic. And so we're experiencing the overlap a pandemic, racial and health. And so we then um, expanded more recently to become year round. And so uh, we have a fiscal sponsor and are doing uh, pretty amazing social impact campaigns with other uh, folks who uh, we partner with LeBron James, Megan Rapinoe, Sue Bird, all of these other folks. um, And we're trying to save lives, but in a way that also addresses the systemic barriers, right? We can't afford to put a Band-Aid over a bullet wound. We have to dismantle the system from the root. I agree. I agree 100%. And not only are you working on your essential, which I looked at the website. It's so beautiful. Everything put together. I hope people check it out. I'm going to post it um, after this conversation. You're also working on a campaign with Afonso David, president of Human Rights Campaign, called My Vote is My Voice. I would love to know about that. Yeah, so uh, we understand that uh, voter suppression is real, especially under the current administration. Um, But also there have been these communities that have been uh, living in the shadows of the political process for quite some time. Um, Mm. And so one of those communities being uh, the trans community, but that's exacerbated when you add race to it. So black trans folks um, have not typically been involved in a lot of the uh, the political conversation because we felt um, abandoned and Mm -hmm. um, alienated. And there's a, a huge sense of distrust, right? For 
how the system, our politicians, elected officials are actually going to show up for us. We also see that uh, transphobia, anti-Blackness, and all these issues aren't necessarily a partisan problem. Um, We know that it exists on both sides of the aisle. And in fact, sometimes, you know, I've had to have these conversations in progressive spaces. And so um, the human rights campaign um, has definitely um, had a past and a history um, around how they engage um, Black folks, communities of color, and trans folks specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And so we understand that we can't heal what we don't reveal, right? So right. we understand that like, we have to get to this place where we're willing to try to move the needle forward because th- these resentments are beasts that, that uh, we have with one another, especially the ones that we had in the primary. Um, mm-hmm. It's like drinking poison and expecting someone right. to die. And so I was like, you know what? They reached out. I was already going to be headlining the National Trans Visibility March, who's Mm -hmm. the one that uh, brought me on. And so because of COVID, we had to like recalibrate and figure some things out. But I think it's an amazing opportunity, um, especially um, as a Black man uh, who, uh, Alfonso is a Black man in an organization Mm -hmm. where there are folks looking to be able to like pick things apart. And so- we get to model what solidarity looks like. And so we're talking about um, how to vote, um, how to protect yourself in the process, know your rights, breaking through and busting a lot of these myths that are happening because we know that uh, disinformation or misinformation campaigns were huge in the 2016 election. And we start to see a resurgence of what some of those dialogues and conversations and uh, tactics look like in the digital space. And so- We're going to be doing, that was, um, we did one intro, but it's one of three different parts. So we're going to be doing panels all the way up until November. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Now, how can people find out about that? Um, If they're not already following you, they should, but how else, is there another landing spot for My Vote Is My Voice? Yeah, well, you can go to, um, to, there is a hashtag, um, My Vote Is My Voice, so typically HRC, um, the National Trans Visibility March, and other people who've been participating are going to be uh, using that, so just enter that hashtag and go through the thread and see what you find. You can also go to HRC's website, um, hrc.org forward slash vote, and they should have additional information um, about the campaign there as well. Um, And then as we have these events, we'll be making sure that we uh, put up flyers and boost it and promote it um, and really talk about the issues that are on people's minds, especially as it pertains to um, the people who've been convicted felons and like, am I allowed to vote? Am I not allowed to vote? Um, what if I don't have an accurate ID? We know in California, we have the option to vote by mail, but some people, so there's just all of this information. And instead of just, um, assuming that people know all of these things, we're actually walking through it and we're um, opening up those gates of communication so that people can, get what they need and get their questions answered. I really appreciate that because sometimes that lack of information is on purpose. They don't want people to have that information to empower themselves. So I really appreciate that. And I will post those links. And last question, because I, what'd you say? Well, shaming too. Uh, There's this culture of shaming, right? Where people can't admit that they don't know something. And Mm -hmm. I 
And, and in fact, it's the reason why we haven't been able to break into the uh, young voter or new voter participation that we've been hoping for, because there's a couple of things. First of all, we're talking about politics in this dry, boring, mm-hmm. shriveled up way mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. nobody's here for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of Absolutely. Centered on respectability politics authored mm-hmm. by these institutions that have never even respected us. So why don't absolutely right? So why don't we talk about these experiences in a way that feel real and authentic for us, and in a way that um, you know I think allows us to be not only a one-time or one-off participants but that allow us to be a part of the ongoing conversations around how we're going to shift the social ecology around these issues that impact us every single day. Absolutely. And I have one last question. If we get to get this authoritarian administration out, what would you like to see um, in the first hundred days of the new democratic, uh, I, I would be Biden, Right. What would you want to see? What one policy would you like to see implemented right away in the first hundred days? Um, there's quite a few things, but I know that Elizabeth Warren had some amazing plans around uh, COVID-19 and how to yeah. actually safeguard not only our health, but our economy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then also we would want to go ahead and, and make sure that we address our foreign affairs because... Yeah. You know, we're pulling folks out of the Chinese embassy, like closing that down, and we're making enemies yeah. over here. So yeah. we have a lot of build uh, bridges to rebuild. Luckily, really? other countries know what's up. <laughs> right now, you know what I mean? And so, like, but definitely our uh, these international relationships are important. And I, I think again, the top two, it would have to be. Um, COVID, um, uh, obviously uh, race, um, police brutality, uh, defunding mm-hmm. the police, which has been what Black Lives Matter and other uh, uh, Black movement organizations have been asking for. So basically, yes. again, addressing the overlapping pandemic, addressing race, yes. addressing the environment and the fact that COVID-19 is a direct result of the mm. ways in which we've been abusing the planet, um, thinking about how to create green jobs out of those um, opportunities to heal the planet and ourselves. Um, yes. And that's pretty much what I would want to see uh, personally. Obviously, um, we talked about uh, these communities, again, uh, like the Black trans community specifically, who even mm. in the middle of a pandemic have seen a number soar in the murders. In fact, I just read about one right before I got on here and I'm pretty sure they used her birth name instead of her name. And so we'll be learning yeah. more about that. So definitely, I think if I could leave anything with you all and impart mm-hmm. one thing, know mm-hmm. that as we're talking about voting, we need to make these conversations accessible to people who have different um, experiences than us because we can't afford to be single issue voters. We can't Absolutely. afford to have a single access interest when it comes to human rights, dignity, and um, and resources that we all need to thrive. I, I agreed. 
I really appreciate your time. I know it's precious. I just have to tell you that my husband's a big fan. He's too shy to get on camera, but he's there. He's saying hi. <laughs> he, he met you at the conference. It was like blown away by you in Washington, D.C., what you had to say. So you have a big fan in me, but also in my husband. So I just need to just say that. So I know you're busy. Please take care of yourself during this time because we need you. And I look forward to sharing all this information on the projects that you're working. Ashley, I really appreciate you. Um, Thank you so I appreciate much. you. You as a person, I appreciate you. But I appreciate your work, too, okay? I understood what that actually. Right after the game, I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I want you to enjoy the rest of your evening, but we'll talk soon. And thank you for the work that you do. Thank you so much, Maya. Thank you for listening to this special season of Obscene, election coverage and voter information. 